0: Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, you know what? You didn't come this far just to come this far, did you? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You didn't come this far. You didn't battle all the battles that you've battled just to get here. And you know what? You didn't fight all the fights that you fought just to get here. You didn't live just a little life so that God could bring you to this place. But here's the deal. If you want to go further, you're going to need giant faith. Because this next step, this next stage, this next season in your life is a place where you have never been before. And I don't know what that is for you. I I don't know if it's a personal struggle. I don't know if you're battling depression or mental illness. I'm not sure if it's a financial crisis. I don't know if you just received a medical report. I have a close friend who, who just was diagnosed with cancer. He needs giant faith in this moment. I don't know what that next step is for you. Maybe it's a relationship or a loss of a relationship. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe, maybe it's just raising kids in the 21st century. That's a challenge, right, parents? That's a challenge. Maybe it's a blended family situation. Maybe, maybe it's infertility or, or just simply, I just want faith. For that next stage, that next step, that next season, you need faith. You need giant faith. Now, have you ever thought about How big is giant? Like, what's giant? Have you ever thought about that before? How, what is giant? Well, I want you to check this out because here's a picture of what giant is all about. Watch this. Friends, that's a wow. I mean, when you stop and you think about that, you think about 247 feet high, two billion leaves, not million, but billion leaves, 3,200 years old. That tree, that sequoia is known as the president. If you want that and translate it into uh, Spanish, that's the El Presidente, that tree, that sequoia right there. That's amazing. But you know, a couple thousand years ago, that tree didn't start off like a giant tree. You know how it started off? It started off like these seeds right here. Here's our mobile cam. Here, I'm gonna show it to you right there. That's how big, check that out. Those seeds right there is how that sequoia formed. That's pretty amazing. You think about these seeds? These seeds don't seem too powerful, right? I could throw these seeds at you, they won't hurt you. But if that sequoia landed on top of your head, you'd be dead, right? But do you know that when we have faith as small as these seeds, there is nothing impossible for us as followers of Jesus. Do you realize that seeds of faith can move mountains? That's not what I said. That's not my promise. That's the promise of Jesus. Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 17, the words of Jesus. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, this, is, this seed right here is bigger than a mustard seed. It really is. You know why? Because Meyer didn't have mustard seeds. And when I was in seminary, I had a professor that said, this is how big a mustard seed is. This is a watermelon seed, okay? Okay. So if you, same principle applies. If you have faith as as small as a watermelon seed, you can say to this mountain, this is what Jesus says, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, when I read that verse, you know what I think about? I think about how much authority that we have as followers of Jesus. I think about all the divine promises and the blessings that we're missing out because we don't have the faith in who God is. Not in yourself, not in me, but in God. We don't have that kind of faith to grab hold of what he has for us. So if that's giant, if that's Sequoia, the El Presidente, if that's giant, then that leads us to our next question. What is faith? If you have a Bible, go to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, and the writer gives us a definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1 says this, "Now, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Simply put, faith is confidence in something that you can't prove. Faith is is something that you can't prove. Faith starts where reason stops. Faith goes beyond facts. Faith goes beyond fears. Faith goes beyond yourself. Faith is in God. God. Faith is in who God says he is and who God has shown himself to be and who God will be for you and for our world today. It is this kind of faith. When we have a, a, a seed of faith this small, this opens the door for our confidence to grow in God such that he does things for us and in us and through us. Amen? That's that kind of faith. It goes beyond facts. It goes beyond. Listen, there will always be a measure, a gap. There will always be a gap in your theology that you just have to receive God by faith. And I'm all into learning. I'm all into studying. I'm all into the intellectual side of reason and theology. I believe in it deeply. But in my pursuit and quest of God, there's all, it will always run you up to a point where you say, I just have to believe it. I just have to have a deep confidence. I just have to have a trust in who God is. That's the kind of faith that we're talking about. So when I think about this kind of faith, there's kind of a scenario that runs through my mind. Have you ever gone to a, a store, maybe, maybe I don't know, Walmart or Meyer or Target or somewhere, and as you exit, the associate kind of looks you up and down and they kind of casually take notice to make sure you're not stealing anything, and so they're kind of looking for a receipt. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're looking for a receipt, and if you look shady, they might ask you for the receipt, but if you're legit, you know, you know like, okay, I, I get it. Yep, you bought something. Now, what does that receipt communicate? That receipt communicates that a transaction has occurred, right? Now imagine for a moment if you went to the highest end department store in your city. You're watching online, maybe it's in, I don't know, maybe it's in Pueblo, Colorado, or maybe it's in, in Missouri you're watching. Think about the highest end store. Now, think about a store that's even higher end than the highest end store, and that store belongs to God. This is God's store, okay? But in God's store, you don't need a receipt when you walk out of the store. In fact, when you walk into God's store, you go into his store and, and you kind of, you know, you get some things that you want and you figure it out and then you go up to the checkout and here's what the associate says. They say, you know what? That's already been paid for. You don't need to worry about anything. You're thinking... Every store that I ever walked into, I had to walk out with a transaction. I had to make payment. But in God's store, there is no payment. In fact, when you get to the associate, as you exit the store, it's that awkward moment, and they say absolutely nothing to you. And so you walk out, and you put your goods in your vehicle, and you think to yourself, wow, it dawns on you. Like, here's what I would be thinking. You know what? I'm just going to leave that in the car. I'm going to go, but in fact, I wouldn't even get to the car. I'd get halfway out the door and say, let me turn around. I'd say to the associate, can you watch this? Because I want a couple more things in the store. What if I told you that you could have anything in God's store that you had faith for? Because faith is the invisible receipt. Faith is the invisible quality to say, you know what, my faith is in the faithfulness of God. And if you're here today and perhaps you, you don't have a relationship with God or you've backslidden or there's something that has happened to you, it's rocked your faith, I want you to know that even, here's what scripture says in 2 Timothy 2, even when we are faithless, God is faithful for he cannot disown himself. Do you know what that means? That God always has been, always will be, and he will always be committed to revealing himself to you through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he can't go against his character and his character is for you. He loves you. He will use all the circumstances and the situations and your faithless moments in your life to bring you to a place where you see Jesus Christ on the cross, high and lifted up for the forgiveness of your sin and a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. That's how much God is committed to you. He can't disown himself. And if you're watching online today, if you're in the room and you're thinking to yourself, man, it's too late for me. It's never too late. Look up here. It's never too late for you to build your life on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you're an unbeliever, I'm going to kind of drop you off right here at this point okay? Because the next two foundational principles I want to share are with those who are people who are followers of Jesus, okay? This applies to us. If you're an unbeliever, I have no business saying to you, here's how you need to live your life or da da da, da. That's the work and the role of the Holy Spirit to bring you to a place of conviction and repentance. But for believers, we have an authority. We have God's Word. And God's Word, when it comes to the subject of faith, it's not optional, friends, Faith is essential. Did you hear that? Faith is essential if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about faith in a moment. I'm not talking about making a decision, a faith decision. I'm talking about a life of faith. So here is the first foundational truth. Here it is. We are called to live by faith. We're called to live by faith. That means every thought, every decision, Every attitude needs to be full of faith. Now, this is very difficult. Why? Because of something called life, busyness, stress, personality. Everything around us flies in the face of us having faith in who God is. It really does. It stands in opposition. In fact, we stand in opposition of our own desire to be faithful to God. We get in our own way, don't we? We struggle. It's hard. And yet, our righteousness doesn't come from ourselves, not from our good works, not what we do. Rather, it comes from God himself through Jesus Christ. Again, listen to what the the, the writers of Hebrews says. says it this way. My righteous one will live, how will they live? By faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, what God is looking for are confident people who have giant faith in him. God doesn't take pleasure when we shrink back from the challenges and from the struggles of life. Rather, when we stand tall and strong, knowing that our God is for us and he will see us through because he's the same God of every testament ever captured in scripture. So for the believer, when we we live a life of faith, in essence, our anthem, our song that should be on repeat is simply this. What you see in my life is not my life. I'm not really living my life. It is Christ who is living through me. If you need scripture on that, you can look at Galatians 2.20. This is Christ living. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer me living, but it's Christ living through me. All right, so if the first truth is we are called to live by faith, then here's the second truth. Pleasing God is possible with faith. Pleasing God is possible with faith. I put this second truth in a... I stated it in its positive form. Why? Because a lot of people in our world, they struggle to know, they struggle to believe that they can actually please God. Now, you can please God. I can please God. We can please God. Unless we don't have faith. Let me flip it and show you what scripture says. The inverse of this is true. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you don't have faith, if you don't have confidence in who God says he is, then it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, Adam, so if faith is confidence, if it's trust in God, and I'm called to live by faith, and I can please God with my faith, then what does that look like? Well, how many remember last weekend? Last weekend, we had a missions weekend, right? We talked about getting the gospel out here, there, and everywhere. And there was a little phrase that we were kind of echoing back and forth to one another. What was it? Remember? Let's go, right? So, In the there section, I was talking about a team of our people from Pathways who went down to Florida for Hurricane Ian, the relief team, right? It was Tim, it was John, it was Amy. So during first service, after first service, there were two individuals, Sean and Julie, who had texted me. And they said, you know what, we're going to be in Cape Coral. We're actually going to be down in Fort Myers area. So if you feel it's appropriate, we would love to go visit Tad. And I thought, that's awesome, right? Would you think that, like... Okay, great. So I'm thinking, well, this is a cool little story. So I text Amy and Tim, and John and say, "Hey, does anybody have Tad's information?" Tad was the guy who Amy talked to in the garage for several hours. Remember that story from last week? So last night, here's the picture that I got from Sean and Julie. Here's the picture: Julie visiting and talking with Tad. Now, now, friends, do you see? how they had a seed of faith and they said, hey, we're just gonna take, we're gonna please God. We're gonna, we're going down there. Why don't we just be the hands and feet of Jesus? We'll stop by and say. Now, how do you think Tad felt? Talk to me. How do you feel? Somebody yell something out. Love, great amazing. I would, if I were Tad, I'd be thinking to myself, wait a second, that lady that I talked to, you, you go to that church all the way in Wisconsin, and you were down here, and you would come to see me again? Their faith, their call to live by faith and to please God impacted Tad in a way that, you know what? Not a lot of preachers can impact him. Why? Because the hands and feet of Jesus showed up in flesh form through people, ordinary people like you and me. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Man, that's giant faith. So here's the question for us to consider. Where does faith begin? Where's the inception? Where's the start of faith? Like, what, what what does that look like? How do, we, how do we have the kind of faith like Sean and Julie that would say, oh, yeah, we're going to be down there. Why not? Why wouldn't we do that? For many of us, we would say, well, that's an inconvenience, or I'm busy, I can't do that, or why am I going to go there? That's a little out of my way. It's like, no, they, how, where, where does that faith form? How does that start? That's what we're going to talk about this weekend. But before we do that, let me uh, set for you some biblical background. Here's what we're going to do in the next uh, three weeks, including this weekend, four weeks. We're going to be looking, I feel like the Holy Spirit led me to look and to examine the life of Abraham. When we meet Abram in Genesis, Abram is one of the patriarchs. Everybody say patriarch. There's three of them in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham being the first known as Father Abraham. When we meet him in Genesis, the rest of the Old Testament, the other 38 books, all the ups and downs between prophets and judges and kings, all of that is turned upside down because of this one man. This is the one man that the nation of Israel is born out of, okay? And so for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna see this man's faith. Abraham had giant faith, faith for his future, faith for his finances, faith for even when he was tested by God. We're going to look at that in week four because some of us have tests. We have trials. We have things that we have to go through. Abraham had great faith in every area and walk of his life. But where we need to start is with this invaluable lesson, this foundational teaching when it comes to truth. Faith begins in friendship with God. Write that down. If you're taking notes, write that down. Faith begins in friendship with God. Listen to how the New Testament characterizes Abraham. James says it this way. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. The greatest title that I believe Abraham ever had was not Father Abraham. It wasn't Giant-Sized Faith Abraham. No, it was Abraham, God's friend, a friend of God. Wouldn't you like to be known as God's friend? Hi, I'm Adam. I'm God's friend. Hi, this is my wife, Laura. She's really good friends with Jesus. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like not only to be able to say it, but to have the confidence and assurance that you, you knew God's voice, you understood his leading, you sensed his presence on a regular basis, and you could say, I have a secure friendship with God. Do you know that God wants to have that kind of friendship with you? That he loves you so much that he designed and created you to be in relationship with him, to be his friend. Oh to enjoy him, the fullness of his glory, and just to spend time in that relationship with him. That's how much he loves us. But here's the tension. If you're anything like me, you begin to hear of this reality of having a friendship with God, and immediately my my mind goes this way. Really? With me? God, do you know how jacked up I am? Messy? unrefined, broken, frail? Like, you know, God, you're like high and lifted up. You're exalted. You're other. You're holy. Why would you ever want to have a friendship with me? You ever thought this before? Well, the reality is that God is the one who initiates the friendship. He's the one who always takes the first step toward you and toward me. One of my favorite pastors and theologians of age gone by, his name is A.W. Tozer, he said it this way. No man with a trace of humility would ever first think that he is a friend of God. But the idea did not originate with men. Abraham would never have said, I'm God's friend. But God himself said that Abraham was his friend. It's when God looks at you and He tells other people around you, This is Pete, He's my friend. This is Sherry, She's my friend. This is Scott, He's my friend. Then you say, Well, how does God do that? You know how He does that? He does that through our lives. He does that through our families. This is what you call a testimony. This is what you call bearing witness. This is what he does. In those things that seemingly are coincidental to the world, those aren't coincidental. Those are divine moments that God marks our lives with so that people around us can see us and say, you know what? Wow, that person is different. And God says, yes, that's my friend. Faith didn't originate with you, it originated with God. It was in God's plan and purpose from the beginning of time to create you. Every one of your days are numbered before him, and all of the days he've always and only ever wanted to have a friendship with you. Amen. That's how much he loves you. And faith begins with a friendship with God. That's where it starts. So here's a question. Here's a question that it would be good for you and I to answer over the next several weeks. Really, this is a question that should be a lifelong pursuit of ours as a follower of Jesus. How does God invite us into friendship? You ever thought about that? How does God invite, if he's the one who initiates the relationship, how does he invite us into friendship with him? You know how he does that? He does that through you and me spending time with him. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's it's finding yourself a place where you take his holy word a bottomless book of truth and revelation, and you sit with it, and you begin to read and meditate and chew on it, and then you talk to God, and you listen to God in communication. And there is a, there's a moment that, listen, the most important part of every single day of your life is the time that you spend with Jesus alone. Seeking him, talking to him, sharing those burdens, those concerns, listening to his voice, Bringing your decisions before him. I'm thinking about this, God. I wonder, how do you feel about it? God, what do you want to say on this matter? I'm having conflict with my spouse. I'm struggling financially. God, my child right now is a knucklehead. Like, you could pray that way. God, I I need your help. God, forgive me. I, I blew it again. Like this is a part of relationship. You say, "Oh, Adam, I, I try to read the Bible. I get nothing out of it. Keep reading." Well, God, I talk to you. God. I'm trying to pray to Him, and you know what? I get distracted. Keep praying. Well, you know, Adam, I'm I'm just I I just keep going. Don't grow weary in doing well. Don't grow weary in seeking the face of God. David said, one thing and one thing that I ask of you that I might spend all the days of my life in your presence. I would rather be a gate, a little doorkeeper in your temple. I'd rather, man, I'd want just a moment of your presence. Because at a proper time, you're going to reap the harvest of a relationship, something that's so deep and sturdy and the roots are gonna be, the root system is gonna be so firm that your faith will be giant in him if you stay the course, if you stay the course. Here at Pathways, we have a model that is patterned after Jesus Christ. We didn't make it up, I didn't make it up, I didn't sit with some elders and say, hey, let's have a little church model, here's a, no, if you look at the gospels, Here's what Jesus Christ, here's how he developed his friendship with the Father. You know what he did? On a weekly basis, he went to a worship service, something called a row. If you're worshiping online with us, you're in a row here today, this is the row. Then he went to a circle. You know what a circle was? It was his disciples. It was his companions. It was his friends. A, a circle is a, a place where you serve. It's, a circle is a place where, where, where you have some, some, some real friends who know you, who do life with you. And then we, we find Jesus, he would go off early in the morning while it was still dark and he would find solitude. He would get away in a solitary place with the Father and he would sit down and he would pray. Some of his favorite places were like the Mount of Olives places where he would go and he would seek and he would spend time with the Father because he knew that everything that he needed to do, all the purposes that he had to accomplish and complete, how he had to face the cross could only be done with giant faith. And that faith grows as we develop that relationship with God. Here at Pathways, we call it row, circle, and You need to find yourself a chair like this. Maybe it's at your countertop in the morning. Maybe it's at night. And that friendship that you begin to create 15, 45 minutes on a daily basis, that has to become priority for you. Listen, we're all busy. We're all overbooked. We all got stuff going on, but I'm telling you, listen to me, hear me loud and clear. A casual acquaintance with God does not equal a changed life for God. You've got to have a deep, abiding relationship, a friendship with God. You've got to be so hungry for him. You've got, to have, you've got to thirst for His presence. You've got to long for Him. You've got to say, "God, I want to delight myself in you. I just want to get to know you." I'm going to block it off on my iPhone. I'm putting it in like this is I Any, any person who has a giant faith has a giant commitment to seeking God. They just do. So, as we wrap up today, I want to leave you with this thought. If friendship is really the foundation of our faith, then it's the grace of God that reaches out to us and initiates that relationship. God's grace. God's grace is one of the hardest things to even wrap our minds around. We have no idea how deep and wide the grace of God is for you and me. We can't even really put it into words because every relationship that we have on this side of heaven is conditional. At some point, if I do this, then you'll do this. And if I don't do this, then you're not doing this. But with God, it's unconditional love. It's uncon- his mercy endures forever. His mercies are new every morning. He's always loving and compassionate and forgiving. Does he turn his head away from sin? No, he hates sin. And he calls us to holiness. And yet he always makes a way back toward us by his grace. So as you sit and as you reflect, Jordan's gonna come and sing this song. And I just want you to sit and I want you to think about God's amazing grace, what it means to you. And I want you to listen to his spirit as he woos you and calls you into a deeper friendship with him. Listen to this song.
1: Was blind, but now I see yeah. Let's sing this one time together. Let's profess it powerful.
0: for friendship with him, to lay that, to develop that, to build that faith foundation. On your seat, there's a card. If you could pull that out and just kind of wave it at me, just go like this so I know you have it. This card is gonna be on your seat every single week for the next three weeks. This card is so important to me because this is a little self-assessment for you. This isn't for us. Nobody's gonna collect this. The question is, where are you? Each week, there's a section that's set aside for you that's gonna correspond with the message. And it just gives you an opportunity to mark where you are currently. I'm here. But this is where I wanna go. Like, I wanna challenge you, Pathways. God didn't call me to Pathways to play church with a bunch of church people. God called me to lead people into a growing relationship with him, that we would have giant faith, that we could set the life of Jesus on display for the world here, there, and everywhere so that we could impact our world for Jesus Christ. But we have to have a giant faith in order to do that. The days are dark, the evil is real, and we need people of giant faith. So this week, I... I want you to take this card and I'll, I want you to kind of mark it. This is where I am. This is where I want to go. I want you to be honest about it. And then underneath there are some resources, depending on where you are in your journey, where you are in your faith walk, there are some resources that will fuel your faith. Now on week one, there's a, a resource that didn't make the card. And I just want to highlight it. If you want to read a very challenging book to grow your faith in some new ways, If you've never read The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a Lutheran pastor in the Second World War. It would be a phenomenal read, The Cost of Discipleship. But there are a lot of resources. If you're brand new to faith, if you're exploring faith, if you don't have a a Bible reading plan, there are so many ways for you to grow. And I want you to develop giant faith. If you're here today and God's speaking to you, which I believe he is, if you want that kind of growing faith, then can we pray together? Bow with me, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, for those who know you and love you who are feeling challenged by you to grow in their faith, to have giant faith. Take them to that next place in their faith with you. Give them both the desire and the will to do what pleases you, Father, your Heavenly Father. Grow us. Grow us break away any apathy or complacency, God, I pray that we'd be white hot in our pursuit of you. Perhaps you're here today and you've never experienced what Jordan just sang about that amazing grace. Like you, you actually feel like you're blind and you're lost. Maybe everything in your world looks really great on the outside, but on the inside, it's not so great because you don't really have a savior. You don't have a Lord, you don't have a leader, you don't have a North Star, you don't have a guide. You don't have a shepherd. You just have yourself and your sin and your pain and your loneliness. If you're here today, you're watching online, you wanna make a decision for Jesus Christ, why don't you just tell somebody, text a friend, call the church office, email us, talk to the chat moderator, let somebody know that, yep, that's me, I wanna give my life to Jesus Christ you're in the room here today, and you want to make a decision for Jesus, you want to let go of your sin, and you want to find hope and freedom and salvation in Jesus. If that's you, you want to make that commitment today, why don't you just raise your hand in this moment, and then I want to acknowledge you. Who here today? I'm looking to my left, your right. Anybody? Yep, you can put your hand down, sir. I see it. Thank you. Yep, in the middle section, see several hands right there. Two precious ones. To my right and your left. Anybody? Yep, I see your hand, sir. Now I might have missed your hand, but God, He sees, He knows your heart. He knows that you're reaching out to Him. The Bible tells us in Romans 10:9 and 10 that if we believe in our mouth, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. His grace is so amazing. Friend, that while you were enemies of God, while we were yet still sinners, Romans 5.8, Christ died for you, for me, for our sin. So if you wanna place your faith in Jesus Christ, would you repeat this prayer? All of us together as a church family, can we say this together? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I sinned against you and people around me. So forgive me, come into my life. I received the gift of salvation by faith. And now I wanna please you and live for you with your power inside of me. I pray this in Jesus' name. The strong Son of God. And everyone who agreed this prayer shouted, Amen, Amen. amen. Hey, can we celebrate those individuals today who gave their hearts to Jesus Christ? That's a beautiful day. That's a beautiful day.